and welcome to episode 1227 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, October 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing very well because if you move your head a little bit to your right, people will see the sign in the back if they're watching on YouTube and say it. And it says, F-Pass in three days. First pitch, Arizona. We're heading out to the desert very soon. And there's going to be a World Series game on Wednesday where when a lot of us are going to get there. Some people that we know might be there in attendance. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to make it there in time. But yeah. uh, I'm excited for a week, a weekend in the desert. How about you? Yeah, I'm a little bummed. Not going to be going to the World Series with you guys. Uh, but my plane just doesn't. I'm, I'm going to be on the plane. Yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be paying the 25 bucks or whatever it is for the Wi-Fi just so I can watch. The and game. that's the last one. That's Game Three because they played yeah. tonight. No, it's Game Five or Game Five. Uh, no, the Game Three in Arizona is what I meant to say. Oh yeah. Because they'll play um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah. So because yeah, they took yesterday off. Hopefully, it'll be tied up. Two, two. I hope so too. Yeah, this uh, the first two games if, are any indication. A couple amazing games, right? The walk off yeah. in game one, and then kind of the stomp of Arizona to say, "Hey, we're not flustered by that. Here we are." And I love that answer back. I really hope we get a good, great World Series. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm just excited to be there too. I'm kind of great World Series. Like everybody complaining about, oh, these two teams don't deserve to be here. Like, oh, I hate crap like that. Like, man, like deserve. that game one was mean? an all time classic game. Like, Absolutely, you can't you can't tell me otherwise. Like, Mm-mm. if you didn't you're, watch, you're lying it, to yourself. Yeah, if you didn't watch it because you didn't like the teams in it, then you missed out on some amazing baseball. I tend to believe that anybody listening to this podcast at this time of year does They're not watching. subscribe to that sort of bullshit right? yeah. about like uh, the markets. First off, you know what really bothers me is if I hear one other person say that these are two small markets, I'm going to strangle them. It's fucking Dallas and Phoenix. Yeah. Two of the biggest places in the fucking country, especially Dallas. I don't know if Phoenix is quite as high, but like, and I understand the point they're trying to make is that they're like not blue blood major league teams. Just come up with something different though. You stop calling Dallas a small market. And this is not like Texas pride. I actually hate Dallas. I cannot stand that place. This is more of just (laughs) factual pride that I do not want to hear Dallas called a small market for God's sakes. Maybe their geography is stupid and they hear Arlington. They're like, I've never heard of Arlington, Texas. But anyway, rant over. The World Series so far has been great. Excited to see it live and in living color on Wednesday. And then I wonder how many people, I wonder if there's like any big time D-backs fans that are also huge fantasy nerds that were going to come out for the conference. And then they decided to like move their trip up a couple days to go to like a few World Series games. And then they're going to go right to the conference. That'd be cool if we run into some folks like that. Maybe they live out east, but their Arizona fans are like, I was going to come here on Thursday, but now I came in on Tuesday. I went to two games and now I'm here. Like I, I almost like... Like said, like I, I looked and I was like, oh, I could take a frontier $40 flight, you know, with $900 of extra fees. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'd have to sit on the wing, but (laughs) how good's your grip? Yeah. (laughs) We'll give you some football gloves to hang on to the wing. I could have held on for that long. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not, not anymore. Um, But yeah, it's been a great, honestly, the LCSs and at least so far the first two games in the World Series have made up for what was a bit of a boring playoff. I'm still watching everything. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. But there were blowouts. There were uh, blowouts in terms of games and series. But then the LCSs both went seven and they were amazing. And like I said, the first two games here so far have been great. So the the meat of the 
the playoffs has been wonderful as we close it out and get ready for a long winter with no baseball. But we want to talk, we kind of want to go the other way here. We want to talk some players on the rise. Actually, one of them is in the World, or two of them are in the World Series right now. But we're going to talk a few hitter duos that are available past pick 300. There are now, I think, five drafts at the uh, NFBC main uh, ADP, not main event, not main event, but draft champions ADP that you can look at. And I, I was going through and I was like, I was just going to do post 300 players of interest for hitters. And then I started matching up a few guys on, on the same team. And I said, you know what, let's just do nine team combos, two young guys on each and kind of give our thoughts on where they are. And this is, this is based on the ADP, not Tigers favoritism, but we are going to start with a couple Tigers. One who made it up this year. In fact, they're both younger brothers. Um, Parker Meadows, whose brother Austin, of course, is a Tiger. And then Jace Young, whose older brother Josh, is in the World Series. So we have two interesting Tigers here. Let's start with Parker Meadows because he debuted this year. Got off on fire like his first two, uh, first couple weeks there. And then kind of came back to earth. So the bottom line ends up being a 714 OPS, three homers, eight steals, and 145 plate appearances. Not a bad showing for a youngster. Don't get me wrong at all. Uh, I'm curious what you thought of the Parker Meadows experience. Did you get him in any of your drafts? And how did you feel about that stretch run leading into next year? Well, I didn't get him in any of my drafts, but I did get him in uh, fab. Um, that's what I meant. That's okay, what I meant. Yeah, did you pick him up in, in any of your mm -hmm. leagues is what I actually meant to say. Yeah, I did pick him up. Uh, and he was awful. He was awful for me. Like he like he completely crushed my batting average and I ended up dropping him because most people missed the first like really good week. <laughs> yeah, that was while we were waiting to be able to pick him up. And like you said, it, there wasn't much juice after that. Yeah. So uh, I ended up having to drop him. Um, so I'm not letting that color my outlook on Parker Meadows. Exactly. I like Parker Meadows a lot. Um, and if you look at the underlying skills are actually pretty darn good. 87% zone contact is uh, you know, a fair amount above league average, uh, doesn't swing outside the zone too much. We know there's power in the bat, though it's still developing a little bit in that park. Uh, isn't the greatest for power, uh, so the power may not be as prodigious as we'd like to see early on in his career, but I think he will tap into it at some point. Uh, but the speed is there. Eight stolen bases in what? How many played appearances? 37 games. Yeah, 37 games, 150 or 145 played appearances is great uh mm -hmm. i think he could be like a i don't know 15 25 guy um that'd be nice yeah you know. he went 1919 at AAA. parker meadows did uh with a 99 wrc plus so he wasn't tearing it up with the uh with the rate stats but putting in the fantasy juice there with 1919 and 517 plate appearances comes up goes three eight on the homers and steals so yeah i think something in the in the teens home run area with some upper or with some upper teens low 20s stolen base totals i think makes some sense and i like that you're saying you're not going to let uh you know the bad few weeks down the stretch color your experience because 12% walk rate against a 26% K rate. That's a little higher than I want on the strikeouts, but there's also a 9% swinging strike rate, which is not too bad, Justin, and makes me believe that maybe he could cut into some of those strikeouts or that those strikeouts aren't indicative of a lack of understanding of the zone, but maybe getting into deep counts, trying to take his walks. And maybe there's something there where they teach him to attack more and say, hey, you can give up some of these walks if you find your pitch earlier in the count for Parker mm -hmm. Meadows. I could see some of that development. It's going to be his, his rookie year next year, though, so there'll be ups and downs. The price is right, though, right? We're talking yeah. 
post 300 for everybody here. I don't even know if I need to give specific ADPs because we're once we're talking post 300, these are prices that can't really hurt you. So um, I'm, I mean, I'll cite it here. It is 319. But again, I'm probably not going to cite every ADP because they're all after 300. These are guys you can go out and grab if you're interested in them. So you find yourself still interested in Parker Meadows as a primary speed with some hitting with some power sprinkled in, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, if, if he gets to 20 home runs, I'll call that gravy. But I, I mean, I think probably 12 to 15 homers and 20 to 25 stolen bases with like a 245 batting average. Like, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, rock bottom batting average for Parker Meadows. I think he's a guy that um, has better contact ability than I think the service numbers indicated last year. Yep, I think that's a great way to put it with Parker Meadows. Let's move over to Jace Young. Again, I talk about this a lot. Younger brother, oftentimes better uh, than than Big Bro because they get kind of elevated by competition of facing Big Bro and his and his friends and all that as they kind of grow up. Uh, Jace Young, I love Josh Young. So if he can be any better, if he can be as good as Josh, I'm going to be happy with that. But Jace Young out of Texas Tech, uh, rising through the Tiger system, should be somebody who has a chance to uh, maybe not break camp because he, he peaked at double A this year, but to be up early for the Tigers, perhaps he's down in the Arizona fall league. So we should get a chance to see him. You know, we kind of consider that a finishing school. Anybody who's in the AFL is, is, you know, usually a knock away from the major leagues. And so with uh, 81 games at high A 47 at double A, we saw 28 homers and five steals from Jace young. That was split 14, 14. And the impressive part there is remember, I just said 47 games at double A and he matched the same Homer total as he put up in 81 games at high a i love seeing jace young get better at the higher level what do you think of jace young's year and do you believe he can be a fantasy influence next year for the tigers i mean i think he'll be a fantasy influence at some point but like i don't know that the ceiling on jace young is as high as like even like his brothers um or obviously colt wait keith Col- Col- you got Keith. it. Col- you nailed it. Colt Keith. Colt Keith. Col- <laughs> I'm, Keith. Never, I'm never gonna know that one for sure. You're never gonna have confidence <laughs> yeah. when you say it. No, Keith Colt. He's gonna. You know, he's gonna have like a 15 year MLB career and just torture me. And just the whole time you're gonna years. be yeah. all over uh, on his name. So, uh, I, yeah, Young doesn't seem to have like prodigious power or a prodigious hit tool. And I, I don't know that he is going to run much at all. I know he stole five bases in high A, but that probably is more to do with the bad catching. Um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't put a ton into high A because literally zero for zero in double A for yeah. Jace Young. When things tighten up, the jump from high A to double A is seen as one of the bigger level jumps there, which impresses me with the hitting. Yeah. But then I agree with you, kind of puts those five steals off to the side. I wouldn't even... I think my projection for him, you know, if I'm going to put him down for like 300, 350 plate appearances, I might give Jace Young one steal in a yeah. projection. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So that we're focused sense. on the power and the hitting. Now, you say he doesn't have the prodigious power. How do you feel about the 27% K rate at double A? That, that gives me a little pause with a 14% swinging strike rate that maybe the 284 average that we saw there um, isn't necessarily something that's going to carry to the AAA level and then the major league level. What do you think about where Jace Young's hit tools at right now? Yeah, I mean, I think he was probably getting a little bit lucky on balls in play. Like uh, he had a 336 BABIP, which is up 30 points from, uh, you know, high A both times he went through it. So mm-hmm. maybe he was just like, hey, 
I'm just going to keep swinging because the, you know, when I make contact, it's, it's fine in grass uh, or going over the fence. And, um, and so I, I do wonder if, I think he's going to be one of these guys that people like start to get excited about, you know, especially in terms of like draft champions uh, that maybe isn't up until halfway through the season. Uh, and I, I can see that too, but oh, let me change your mind on one thing or not change your mind. Okay. Uh, let's throw a little sprinkle in here. Cause I just learned this four for four and stealing at AFL. Does that do anything for you with Chase Young in, Interesting. in 35 point appearances? Yeah. I, I, I went to go look. I want to point out all the other numbers, though, too. Uh, 229 average, 438 OBP, 371 slug. So he's getting on base a ton. He has 12 walks against 13 Ks. So the Ks are still there, but so are the walks. And with getting on base a bunch, four for four on the bases for Jace Young. Did you say I'm I don't want to make too much of it. Uh, 13. So he's almost one to one in the strikeout to walk. 12, 12 walks, 13 Ks. But that's still 13 Ks in 47 plate appearances, which um, is a 28% rate, yeah. which is in line with that double A mark. Does four for four in the Arizona Fall League, I want to point out the leaders 14 for 15. That's Jacob Marcy, never heard of him. Uh, Victor Scott, AJ Vukovic, Caleb Durbin, Gabriel Rinconis. Those are the top five guys. They all have double digit steals. I've only ever heard of AJ Vukovic. My point here being is if we're going to talk about bad catching at high A, we might be dealing with some bad catching and pitchers not holding guys in the fall league as well. Do you put any stock into the four for four for Jace Young at the fall league so far? Um, not a ton necessarily. I mean, I think I'd really want to look at like, what does the catchers look like? Um, and yeah. we know that the pitchers are traditionally really, really bad at Arizona. Arizona and Poly. I can't imagine they're being told to heavily hold, hold guys on. Yeah. Uh, focus on this changeup that you're working on. Focus on this slider. If the guys are stealing behind your back, we don't give a crap type deal. So Again, I wanted to bring it up because it was kind of jarring and I, I did not know that that was happening. But I think to go back to what I said about my projection, I might change it to three steals, right? Like, I, I still yeah, don't know that it's going to fundamentally change. Too, but like, yeah, yeah I, don't I don't think, think it should fundamentally change our he's, outlook. He's not, he's not threatening to be a double-digit stolen base guy at, at any I don't think so soon either. in the majors. Uh, and I just don't know how soon the Tigers are really going to want to promote him. I think he starts off the year in double A again, works his way up to triple A. And maybe if he's smashing, we see him in end of June, early July, something like that. But I think a summer call up makes some sense. Although let me see something here. He, his the, latest article those on his page. Those are guys I love though. You're talking about to draft. To him, draft, right? right? Those are guys mm -hmm. I'll, I'll worry about when fab comes around, but yes, I know a lot of people, and there's been, I've heard some really, really great podcasts uh, this offseason. Um, James Anderson killing it um, over on Rotowire. I know Rob DiPietro is going right now. I know uh, Bubba uh, and the Bloom are going right now. And I know there's been some talk about, hey, you're going to want to draft more of these rookies and draft champions sure. than you have in the past. And while I understand why, what wins those leagues are not rookies. Like it's not guys who are giving you nothing for half a season. Um, and while you, it's great to luck into those guys, man, we saw so many early injuries last year that, uh, that really hurt teams when they, you know, they rostered too many injury prone guys or they rostered too many guys that weren't going to start the year in the majors. And, 
I don't know that Jace Young has the upside I'm shooting for if I'm looking to stash someone. I think that's totally fair because we don't know when he's going to come up. And the latest article in his profile is Jeff Zimmerman's uh, mining the the news from late September. And it talks about how Jace Young and your boy Colt Keith are going to get time at third base, which could actually stall them a little bit as they learn the position uh, because he is a second baseman by trade. Unlike brother Josh, who is a third baseman, this would be a move for Jace to add more third base to his mix. And they may believe they may think, hey, let's let's give him some more time, even starting at double A, like you said, a repeat start of double A, maybe get a month there or even just a couple weeks, then go to triple A. Now, he is playing third at, in the fall league. So the times that he's been on the field, I think he's been DHing some as well, but he's also playing third base down there. Jace Young is. So that is a transition that they're looking to make. That well, could work we don't in his know favor. that. Remember, like there's only. So every team gets, you know, a, you know, a, a handful of players. Yeah. And then they have like a draft where they say, well, my player is going to play this position. The next exactly. Goes, my player is going to play this position. And if you, you know, we saw this with Royce Lewis when Royce Lewis was down there uh, back in, in 2019, where the twins wanted him to play infield, but there were too many other infield no players. And so he had to play outfield at Arizona Fall League. So even though Royce Lewis was like, I think the number one prospect at Arizona Fall League that year, mm-hmm. he couldn't and play was the, the infield. Ended up being the MVP. Yeah, he couldn't play the infield because there were so many other infielders. So, you know, and a lot of people are like, well, are they transitioning in the outfield? I don't think they were. I think they just, that's where he had, they had a spot for him. So uh, that's fair. So Jace might be playing that more out of necessity. It seems like they want to get him some time there though, yeah. to, to sharpen his skills on uh, at third along with second. So I just think that that could keep Jace Young down a little bit longer. I agree with you. I'm probably not drafting him as much as I am highlighting him as somebody that I'm interested in when he gets called up with Jace Young. But Parker Meadows, definitely open to drafting him and think he'll be on multiple teams. Let's go to the Mets, talk about their big power guys. One righty, one lefty. They might be both fighting for the same spot though. Although Beatty can actually hold third base, but uh, Vientos more of a DH type. And obviously with Pete Alonso blocking off first base, it does make things a bit more difficult. But let's start with Beatty. He's the higher rated prospect. He does have a better avenue at full-time burn because he can play third base, whereas Vientos is more of a quote-unquote third baseman with first base and DH likely being his home. Beatty, he's a guy we talked up coming into the year. We thought he could be one of the breakout rookies. He simply was not. Um, He ended up with a 65 OPS plus in 389 plate appearances, nine homers, two steals. It did not go well. But isn't this exactly the kind of guy who tumbles down the ADP board then because of a poor showing that too many people forget and just completely discard and then ends up popping off? Are you still in on the Beatty train? I I mean, I am. I, you know, especially going outside top 300 picks, I think that is a decent spot to take a gamble. I I think there's going to be risk to Brett Beatty. Uh, Sure. He struck out a 30% clip. Uh, the end zone contact numbers were atrocious. Uh, I mean, he, he doesn't walk much. He doesn't walk like and uh, the Mets were clearly not committed to them in the way that we had hoped they would be committed to him, especially when mm-hmm. it was obvious that the Mets were not going to the playoffs. Like I understood like, OK, if you guys don't think he's ready or he can contribute now. You guys are trying to win a World Series. I get it. But trade deadline comes and you start trading away everybody. Why isn't Brett Beatty in the lineup every day yeah, just to give him major league at bats and see, Hey, is this guy part 
of our next good Mets team. Uh, so the fact that they weren't necessarily doing that is a bit concerning to me. Yeah, from from uh, August 7th, basically all of August, he barely played. Yeah. And then he did get some burn down the stretch. But um, I wonder how much of it, too, was just like, you you would we would have liked them to commit to him and just let him get that playing time, but they're like he's just been so bad that we're going to get in other guys. But I don't know why you're playing like a Dan Vogelbach over yeah. him and guys like that. Just play your 24 year old and let's see where he's at. DJ Stewart, I know, put up some decent stuff down the stretch at times too, and they don't play each other's position or whatever. But like, it's still another bat in the lineup that they. I don't have care what 29 year old DJ Stewart can do right mm -hmm. now. I want to see what 24 year old Brett Baby. For me, can it do. was but, it was Vogelbach like. Why yeah, was he was Vogelbach the big one. on even on that team at that point? Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. When you got Vientos what, and uh, Beatty. Wasn't like, there a clash in the front office over Vogelbach? I, I think I read that somewhere. That wouldn't like, surprise I can't me. Remember, I don't remember that. But I can't remember the two factions, so I don't want to speak too far out of turn. But one faction did not want Vogelbach on, but another faction with power was able to say, "We love Vogelbach and Trump." The people, and again, I don't remember if it was manager versus general manager, owner versus manager. I don't remember that. But I, I swear I distinctly remember something where somebody with power was caping for Vogelbach, and that's what kept him on the team, which also hurts the next guy. Let's talk Mark Vientos now, because that's directly taking from Vientos' time. And why aren't we finding out what we've got from the 23-year-old Mark Vientos, who's got nasty raw power with nine homers in 233 plate appearances, albeit just a 69 OPS plus, which isn't particularly nice. But um, I wonder if you if you have ever been in on him and if so are you stay, sticking with him after an um you know unimpressive uh season this past year mark vientos how do you feel about him yeah i mean vientos is very similar to um uh to Beatty and uh, actually worse uh, so like uh, what's that i think he's i i think vientos is very similar to Beatty. actually oh, did i lose you for a sec there i've got you Okay. I, I had lost you for a second, but I've got you back now. So uh, Vientos is uh, actually when I was looking at when I was talking about Beatty, I was actually looking at Vientos's numbers. So, um, oh, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So Vientos is like Beatty, but just worse. Um, so and less positional guarantee because he's yeah. first DH. And you've got Pete Alonso there. And I know there was talk like, oh, they could trade Pete Alonso. I don't think they're trading Pete Alonso. I don't um, either. Like, I just I. I, I Unless you're fine getting a just... huge return, which I mean, I guess they could get a decent return, but like, is anyone paying? <clears throat> I love uh, Pete Alonso. Please yeah. do not take this as Pete Alonso slando slander. But is anybody paying top dollar for a first baseman in today's era of analytics and everything? When they know that, like, that's just not for power, an all or nothing power guy. Buying him at age thirty, that's just not the right move, right? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I love Pete Alonso, and I think even from a fantasy perspective, we, you know, he is one of those guys that I think, even though he's like a second, third round pick, like he's somewhat underrated because like he just I agree so much power in an age Bankable. in which we're looking for power right now. Um, even with his 217 this year, which obviously stunk, but that's the low register of mm -hmm. his batting average. Things went poorly, but you still got 46, 118 with four chip in steals, 92 runs. Age 29 season next year for Pete Alonso, just to get that on the books uh, correctly. They're not age 30 yet. But yeah, I don't see how they're trading him. And so I think that creates problems for Vientos. That said, I'm open to drafting 
either Vientos or Beatty on my draft champions rosters. Cause I think both can make the opening day roster. Vientos might be in AAA a call away, but I feel like he's a first guy up type of deal. As long as they get rid of Vogelbach, uh, and probably DJ Stewart, there should be room for Vientos, right? Yeah, I think there should be. I think I'm more interested in Beatty just because the skills Same. are underlying skills are better. I know that there's a price difference too, where Beatty is just going outside the top 300 and Vientos is going outside the top 400. So I can understand some people going, well, I'll just take Vientos later. I think Beatty's got a much better profile and an outlook. Uh, so yeah, I, think, I, don't, I don't think they're a total trade off for each other. I agree there. No. I, I want. I prefer Beatty substantially. And again, the third base eligibility plays a role in that too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so those are the two Mets, Beatty and Vientos. Let's go to a couple Brewers, Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer. Now, Mitchell uh, was looking like he could be a breakout guy this year, and then he got hurt. I want to see the status with his injury because I forgot to look that up. Oh yeah, he, he was he was back by the time the season was over. That's right, he came back very late from his shoulder injury uh, and could have maybe gone gotten on the postseason roster had they done anything, but the baby snakes eliminated them quickly. We only saw 73 plate appearances from Mitchell, three homers, uh, one steal, not too much to put into 73 plate appearances, so I'm not gonna ask you too much about that. But what do you think about Mitchell in general? You know, he's a great defender, so playing time should be guaranteed. Do you think this is an automatic play, if healthy, type of guy, uh, Garrett Mitchell? Yeah, I mean, I really like Garrett Mitchell. I know a lot of other people really like Garrett Mitchell too, uh, and did coming into the season, There, you know, it's power, speed. A lot of depends on how well he hits. The injury pieces is a scary part now so mm -hmm. um, especially with a shoulder yeah and i mean it's not like even though you get the power and speed like you've also gotten a career 38 percent strikeout rate um with those that power and speed so it's very much like i don't know in injury red flag jose siri kind of profile for fantasy okay right yeah yeah Powered. i think that i think that checks out Power, speed, good defense, um, but I mean, Jose, I, I don't know where Jose Siri is going, comparatively speaking. I can uh, get you that uh, as you continue to discuss. He's going 264. Um, okay, so. To Mitchell's 329. So, I mean, that's I'm, not a bad trade-off. passing Siri for Mitchell then. I think I might too, especially because we know that Jose Siri will always bat at the bottom of the lineup in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Like that is just where uh, he's going to bat. And Mitchell, while he did bat, you know, towards the bottom all the time, he also batted fifth and sixth quite a bit when he was in the lineup. So that's, it's a better park too. I think a better division to hit in. Uh, well, not necessarily a better division to hit in, but, Man, this is. I would say, yeah, but you're getting a forty cap pick discount. Yeah, I think I'm. I Why think would, I'm on Mitchell. I gotta take the cheaper yeah. version when they're really not that different. Especially if he comes in healthy. Like right now, I think yes. you know he finished the year healthy. There's no reason to think that he can't come in healthy as long as we don't hear about any like offseason surgery or something like that. Uh, especially something that would delay him, you know, in spring training. I think Mitchell's one of those guys it, because his defense is so good that is going to get an opportunity to work past that kind of gigantic strikeout rate. And there is a lot of upside here. Yep. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm excited about uh, Garrett Mitchell coming back, 
cheaply, being a little bit forgotten. I understand why, given this year, it was kind of a, wa- a washout. Joey Weimer was around quite a bit more. Uh, he's going much cheaper. He's at pick 455. I'm kind of curious why why Weimer is, is just being discarded here. I know he didn't go crazy this year or anything, but I, I still liked a, a decent bit of what I saw from him. 13 homers, 11 steals. It's an awful slash line, 204, 283, 362 from a 24-year-old, but 410 plate appearances. Is this just another case of a guy doesn't pan out immediately and so he's discarded? Or do you have grave concerns with Weimer that, that you think the 455 uh, ADP is justified? I mean, I think we're going to run into an issue where uh, there might be PT? a tune. Yeah. Okay, that's fair because they're they're going to be looking at Yelich, Mitchell, Freilich, left to right. That's how Roster Resource has and it right Tyrone now. And Taylor. Is Taylor a free agent? No, I guess no, he's not. He's if he's not. if he's passed right now, he's Ross still on the roster resource. Yeah, DH so. as the DH. Okay, so then Weimer, you're, the concern is short side platoon. Yeah. I think that okay. I think that that's understandable because all three of the other guys are lefties. Obviously, Yelich is locked no matter what. Even if you put, well, what if you put Yelich at DH and then if it's the outfield spot, is Taylor or Weimer better as the righty in that outfield? Is Weimer the better defender? That I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at that. I'm not entirely certain on that either. Well, okay. So then, rock bottom price does that intrigue you for Weimer. What what was the price? 455. It's nothing. Yeah, that does intrigue me a little bit. Um you know, Weimer is one of those guys again who uh you know, there is pop, there is speed and like while he did strike out at a 28% clip, like I can live with that. Um and he's supposed to be an above average to plus fielders, so I'm, see, I'm seeing I'm seeing a strong defensive mm-hmm. uh, profile here. I think I think there's plenty to like here, and you know that tracks with both the profile that we saw in his prospect grades and at the fall league when we saw Joey Weimer. Um, the pro, the scouts that we talked to liked his defensive game. He's 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 got tools like crazy, right? The screaming loud tools of his power and speed uh, that translates to the to the outfield with that speed being able to cover a lot of ground. So I don't know. I think Weimer might be an interesting bargain here. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by this 455 ADP. I can see myself adding Joey Weimer late quite a bit. In fact, he is going, by the way, a good bit ahead of Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone Taylor is an afterthought at 588. I know he was not one of the ones we were going to talk about here, but with him penciled in at the DH, and that's just, you know, Jason Martinez and Ross Resource doing an excellent job of kind of placing players and figuring out where they're going to be. doesn't mean he's 100% right. But what do you think of Tyrone Taylor, 133 picks later than Weimer after 10 homers and 9 steals in 81 games? Are you interested in Tyrone Taylor at all? I think he may be the one I'm most interested in because I think his playing time might be the safest. Um you know, I think Mitchell's. Well, if I can be guaranteed the health, I would say Mitchell, but I can't be guaranteed the health. So, I, fair I, point. I can't. I'm trying to find the Brewers playoff roster. Did Mitchell make the playoff roster? No, no, he he didn't make it. Um, that's and that's Weimer a did. little telling, right? Weimer did, Tyrone Taylor did, Freelich did. Like, isn't that a little telling that Mitchell a, a was little. left off the roster? 
a little. Only the only reason it's not fully telling though is he was just back from the injury. He had played yeah. four games before the and season. And I mean, we uh, three, three gone, games. So yeah. that's one less. So th- he'd only played three games, and so he wasn't like ready, ready for Mitchell. If he had played half or even you know, all or even half of September and then missed, then I think we're like, hmm, that's curious. But he was just barely back, and so they're figuring the, and, three, the mean, short set. We won't take him. I mean, in like, let's talk about like the fact that Yelich has been injury prone throughout his career. I know he's been more healthy recently. Uh, Tyrone Taylor had a massive injury last year. He right? played 81 games this year. Yeah. Um, Garrett Mitchell had an injury like this could all get worked out. Like where when when we hit, you know, opening day in late March or even like by mid-May, somebody's injured. And full-time playing time to the rest of the guys. So, And that's uh, why the skills should be your driver. And I think yeah. the power speed of Weimer is appealing. Um, it and, is. And you can Absolutely. be appealed. Uh, Taylor's power speed can appeal to you as well at pick 588. So I'm fine with either or any of these three here. 329 for Mitchell, 455 ADP for Weimer, and 588 for Taylor. None of those prices are killing you. You can pick I your favorite amongst 588 them. 588 for Taylor seems way too low. I mean, he's got the best underlying skills of all these guys. I am surprised that he is that discarded. I've never been a huge Tyrone Taylor guy, but I would think 588 has to come up. But we'll see. We'll see if it does. Uh, Let's shift from the Brewers to the team that ousted them in that first round that is now in the World Series. And I alluded to Alec Thomas earlier. I want to talk about him and Geraldo Perdomo, two of their young guys who've been very instrumental in this success. Uh, Thomas finding a power stroke here in the playoffs has been huge for them. Perdomo's kind of their steady Eddie down at the bottom of the order, plays great up the middle defense. Uh, let's start with Thomas. I kind of liked him for a breakout this year. It didn't quite come together. I am not moving a muscle on that train. I'm sticking with him. Of course, <laughs> the the power showing in the playoffs does help, you know, feel comfortable about sticking with him. But I can tell you truthfully that I was sticking with him, even if he hadn't popped off here in the playoffs. But he went 9-9 homers and steals in 402 plate appearances with a 75 OPS plus. Now that happens to match the exact same 75 OPS plus he had last year. So that's now 813 plate appearances of that 75 mark for Alec Thomas with 17 homers and 13 steals. Is there more for the 24-year-old Alec Thomas? Um, and you're seeing sprinkles of it here in the playoffs. Or is he just playing some of his best ball and he's always going to be one of these glove-first guys that can sprinkle a little bit of fantasy goodness but is really kind of a deep league play? What do you think of Alec Thomas at age 24 next year? I think Alec Thomas has the potential to be prime Andrew Benatendi. I'm totally fine with that. Like a 2020 guy that hits for a good average or decent average uh, and that plays every day. The problem Mm -hmm. with Alec Thomas is he needs to play every day to be viable. Um, We need some accumulation. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He does not have a carrying tool in fantasy. Alec Thomas is a guy who does pretty much everything. You know, he is a five tool player, but he is not like a five tool superstar. Um, Mm -hmm. So if Alec, but on the, on the plus side of all of that for Alec Thomas, uh, he is an amazing defender. He might be the best center field defender in baseball. Um, Which is saying a lot. It's saying a ton. 
And I mean, if you've watched any of the playoffs, the World Series, everybody talks about it. Like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so I do think the price is going to go up. I'm okay with that uh, because I, I mean, at 375, I think the price is still uh, pretty light because I think he's going to play every day. And I think at the end of the season, we're going to be looking at a guy who's 2020 with like a 255 batting average. Um, and I'm that's, that's gonna, worth a lot. I'm more. gonna take that because, like, it's not like he's even buried in the lineup, right? Like, he hit fifth most of September. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think the team really loves him. Mm-hmm. And when you got the support of the team, that goes a long way as well. Let's look a hundred picks ahead of him 370. Uh, he's 376 at 274. His teammate Jake McCarthy, remember, he was a top 100 pick this year, uh, with a lot of excitement around what. Jake McCarthy had done. He kind of flopped this year with just two homers and 26 steals, 243 average at equal cost. Who do you like better? Because obviously at the current cost, we like Thomas way better than McCarthy. If Thomas happens to ascend about 100 picks to where he's matching or just a, a bit ahead of McCarthy, do you still prefer Thomas to McCarthy? Yes. Same. I, and pretty I don't resoundingly know McCarthy the way plays. you said it. Like I yeah, just... I, I think he's getting squeezed out. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if McCarthy's not on the Dimebacks next year. Like they, Agreed. they try to move him for you know a bullpen piece or whatever. Um, so because Guriel uh, is still under. Oh, actually, no. The Guriel's a free agent. But okay. They've also like they don't have a lot of money out, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Mad Bum comes off the books this year, anyways. I think that is correct. Yes. So, like, would it be surprising if they went and? picked up um like a big arm well no i was thinking an outfield piece oh a big outfielder too yeah to replace uh the fact that they're gonna lose fam i mean they definitely should go pick up a big arm for sure yeah uh but like if they brought in i you know i can't think off top my head like who the major free agents are and stuff but like like this year's version of mitch hanniger right like a guy you don't have to give a mega deal to but like that you can get like three for 45. I was going to say the, the, per, the per year is a little higher, but it's it's a shorter term deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they go get somebody big like that. Maybe they bring Guriel back, you yeah, know, after, after his playoff. Mm-hmm. He could be that guy because he kind of fits that sort of like mid-tier mm-hmm. solid guy who's not going to be super cheap, but also not going to kill you price-wise. I, I just don't think Thomas is going to have to fight for playing time because of his defense out in that spacious yeah. center field with some crazy double and triple alleys there that they want him running down. They prefer the Thomas Carroll uh, in center and right there between those two with left field shifting between Guriel, McCarthy. I think Fam got occasional opportunities out there. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you that McCarthy's PT might be tough to come by for the 26-year-old next year. I wrote his fantasy, I wrote his baseball HQ profile up and I, I was nervous about the power. There, there had been some improvements in the minors that maybe that was like, okay, saying it was real, but that was also PCL. So it was like, if there's one thing I believe in for him, it's the speed, the power worries me. He ends up going for two homers and just 99 games of playing time. I like Thomas a lot more. By the way, four playoff homers for Thomas yeah. to go with his nine in season. Um, and yeah, he's going to be a playoff riser. They also have cheap home runs too. Like, these no, have been like they've been monster shots and the time of the game has been important yeah. too. Not that that does anything for fantasy, but just like rising to the moment. Everything's been I think great. it does he, something for the way the organization might feel about him though, which and sure. doing something for fantasy, like, right. Like, Hey, this especially if they threw big for us, 
like lift. push him up in the lineup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we love Alec Thomas. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo, afterthought right now, 469 um, ADP for him. Remember last year, they they trusted him. They gave him that full season. They said, here, 22 years old, we're going to play you, even though things aren't going well. He put up a 57 OPS plus. I'm on B-Ref. That's why I'm citing a lot of OPS plus. Prefer WRC plus, but you're not going to be too far off if you're citing OPS pluses. Um, 2023, he jumps up to 96, makes the all-star team. Still doesn't have a super fantasy relevant season, hitting 246, 353, 359 with six homers and 16 steals, but he's still just age 23. He'll be going into his age 24 season next year. How do you feel after two full seasons of experience for Geraldo Perdomo? Have we seen what we're going to see from him uh, this past year and that that's kind of the peak, or is there more to Geraldo Perdomo? No, I think 2023 is what Geraldo Perdomo is. He's a guy who's not going to hit for a ton of power, but he can steal bases. Um, I think he is uh, a pretty good defender, uh, and he can defend at a lot of different positions, which makes him more valuable uh, to the team and potentially more valuable to uh, fantasy players, right? So he's going to enter the season with shortstop and second base eligibility. Uh, in Yahoo, mm-hmm. he'll enter with third base eligibility. And I think he'll pick up third base eligibility pretty quickly because I think Perdomo is the opening day third baseman for the Diamondbacks. Uh, I think who's going to play short? Loyler, a Lawler. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So that, I make, think, that makes sense. But I do believe Perdomo is going to be starting. Yes. Yeah, and and I think he'll spell guy. You know, he'll spell Marte at second. He'll spell because uh, I think they pref- I think they prefer him to play up the middle, but uh, I don't know that they have the spot for him up the middle with Marte's mm-hmm. contract through like twenty twenty seven or twenty twenty eight. Uh, Lawler's up now. I think Lawler's going to stay up uh, for, um, you know, for right now. So uh, I like Perdomo in draft champions leagues. Uh, like, I think he's one of those guys, and he was a savior to a couple of my draft champions leagues because I got him so cheaply and he played. Like, and I think he, yeah. I think you can pretty much like look at the numbers this year and just say, okay. Well, he had 500 plate appearances. I think he's probably going to have closer to 600 plate appearances, um, you know, and so that's probably like nine home runs, eight, you know, maybe maybe eight home runs and close to 20 stolen bases, 245 batting average. Like that feels like a, you know, Geraldo Perdomo kind of line, and which is fine. Um, it's not a guy you're necessarily shooting for the moon for, but if you need some cheap speed late, like that is a pretty good option. And that PT that you talk about, mm-hmm. that is so clutch when you're getting somebody like Geraldo Perdomo in a draft champions. And you talk about how, especially like when the injuries strike early and you've got all these little uh, red crosses on your team and you're like, can I find anybody to play anywhere? And then you got a multi-positional savior yeah. who plays every single day and I think can at least be a solid league average hitter like Perdomo. I knew he was better than the 57 OPS plus we saw last year, but I liked that they stayed committed to him and said, we're going to get you this burn so that you figure out how to play at the major league level. And he he rewarded them by paying that off this year and improving quite a bit with the all-star bid too. I don't know if you got to see that video. I love those videos when these guys are being told that they made the all-star. It's just, you know, if you've seen one, you've probably seen all of them, but it's just another one of those things where he thinks he's in to get in some trouble or whatever. And they tell him he makes the all-star team and then he gets really emotional in it. And those are fun, fun little videos. So I like Perdomo rooting for him. Definitely see him as a pick 
even if the price rises from four four sixty nine, raising a hundred picks, I don't care. I'll pay anything after pick three hundred. I think yeah. it's a useful weapon on your on your draft champions for all the Perdomo with a little bit of upside. But even if you just get a carbon copy of this year for more mm-hmm. plate appearances, I'll take that. Yeah, let's stay in their division. Talk about the team that they ousted. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks ousted the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Miguel Vargas and Michael Bush. I think this time last year, we were probably talking up both guys. We we did quite like both of them. And I got to be honest, despite the way this year went for them, I'm not really budging on either of them either. But let's start with Miguel Vargas. He got more PT this year. Remember, he came in kind of injured off rip. It maybe kind of derailed things a little bit and never really got his full footing. Played about a half season, actually literally a half season at 81 games, 304 plate appearances, seven homers, three steals, 195, 305, 367. So nothing too spicy there, but I look at a 20% K rate, 13% walk rate, and I love those plate skills for Michael uh, for uh, Miguel Vargas, excuse me. And Miguel Vargas is only going to be 24 next year. This is exactly the player I love. He's being discarded by the fantasy community, I think, to the mistake of the fantasy community at pick 345 after he was going pick, you know, 170 to 200 last year. I'm all in on the Vargas discount. What about you? Um, I'm going to answer your question with a question. question. Where does he play? No, that that wasn't a question. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you like a young Heimer Candelario? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, because I, mean, if you, I if think you, that's kind of what he is. Like, I think, he, and I'm okay with that. I think he's a guy. I think Vargas is a guy that uh, is never going to be quite a, as good a fantasy player as he is a real life player. Like, he, I think that makes a lot of sense. He can play a few different positions for the Dodgers. Uh, I think he he's going to walk a lot. Um, he's not going to strike out a ton. So those of you in on base percentage leagues or points leagues, Vargas is going to be a little Boosting. bit better uh, uh, bet than maybe those of us who play mostly in traditional Roto. Uh, but like, there isn't prodigious power in the bat, or at least it doesn't no. feel like there is. Um, and... I don't know that that the batting average is necessarily ever going to be great necessarily. I think it's going to be okay. Like it's definitely not going to be the 195 it was, but like we saw a lot of 300 batting averages from him from Vargas in the uh in the minor leagues. I think he's probably more of like a 250-260 guy. Um Yeah, and he had wonderful babips coming mm-hmm. up throughout the minors, which he contributes to, but also, you know, things working in his favor. I think his lowest one um, since 2019 was like a three, a 331 at AAA. And then he comes up to the majors last year and gets a 224. So that yeah. really drove down the batting average. And again, some of that you contribute to. I'm not saying it's all luck or anything, but I, I, I can hear you that, you know, he's not necessarily going to be a, a lock for 300, but you give me 280 with a little bit of pop, few steals nothing crazy there i would probably i probably would just double what he did you know 81 games three steals i think six five to eight is probably around what i'm thinking from somebody like miguel vargas but the runs and ribbies could be decent even batting toward the bottom of the order because Mm -hmm. of that ball club and you're talking at a price point of 345 i'm just having a hard time seeing how this hurts me uh as far as taking this risk now he'll only be second base last year whereas coming into the year I can tell you how it hurts you taking the risk. Let's hear it. What happens when 
Um, they re-sign Max Muncy, mm-hmm. as I think they probably will, and they sign Otani. And then where Gavin Lux comes back. That's by the way, excited for that. Um, so now you have no spot for him or Michael Bush in the everyday lineup. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Do we really think Miguel Vargas is going to be the starting shortstop? You, Miguel Rojas. Miguel Rojas, excuse me. Um, Are they not going to put Lux back at short and then open up second for Vargas? I think they like Rojas. He's a really I mean, he's a, he's a legit-ass yeah, shortstop. He's, I mean, he's a really, really good defender. Uh, and, I mean, and this obviously you know, hinges on a bunch of ifs, right? Like if Gavin Lux is back and ready, healthy, yeah. right? And if they if sign they Otani, like we all Otani, think that- Or if they re-sign Muncie, if they sign Otani. Oh, yeah, yeah, This has no Muncie in it. Yeah. That's right, because he has a free agent, so Jason obviously cannot put him on the team. You have to assume yeah. that, you know, he's going to go elsewhere until proven otherwise. Yeah, okay, I mean, look, there can be some playing time concerns. I think it hurts think, Bush a lot more than Vargas, but I think both Bush do have Bush is an some... atrocious defender, as we'll get to here in a second Correct. when we talk about when we talk about Michael Bush. I think now, if you're drafting now, now is not the time to buy. Um, okay. Because I think as the uh, offseason uh, unfolds, uh, the price is only going to go down for Miguel Vargas. Because every time they add a piece, people are going to take away plate appearances. And he's going to drop. If you are a Miguel Vargas believer, then wait. If you are not a Miguel Vargas believer, then don't worry about it. uh, Because the price is going to go down. Yeah, you don't care. You don't care. Um, But like, if you like Miguel Vargas, I like Miguel Vargas coming last year. I don't like him quite as much from a fancy angle this year. But... I wouldn't be opposed to necessarily drafting him. I think that the time to buy is going to be about a month and a half from now. Once guys start signing and we have a better idea of what the Dodgers lineups actually going to look like. Um, and if the Dodgers don't end up getting Otani for some reason, I mean, I just can't imagine a world where they don't, but let's say Otani does want to play in Boston and signs in Boston uh, and Max Muncy you know, gets the best offer from God knows who the Tigers, the Giants, right? Who been supposedly want to spend, right? Uh, we, we know how that goes with your favorite team. Yeah, I mean, we'll they stay. get up to the finish line and then they and then they yeah. say, "Oh no, thank you." We got a lot of silver medals in free agency. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but let's say that all does happen, then Vargas. I don't think Vargas's price goes to the roof. It just kind of stays where it's at. Um, but if things do unfold the way I think they may unfold, uh, I think his price plummets and you're now getting Miguel Vargas at pick 450. Uh, and I think if he's as good as from a real life baseball perspective as we think, at some point he'll figure his way into lineup. You know, Lux can go to the outfield, right? Rojas yeah, doesn't need to be an everyday, everyday guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, he'd find his way into lineup one way or another, if he's as good as I think he could be. Um, so I, my, my ultimate advice is just wait, wait a month and a half before you start drafting Vargas. Cause I think the price will change. 
Is there any world where Vargas gets traded? I mean, of course there's a world. Do you, what, what's the likelihood, do you think, that maybe he gets moved as they shuffle things and kind of figure everything out? I mean, if you're the Dodgers, is Vargas the guy you want to train? Not really, because I'm looking at like some of their other up-and-comers, and there's a lot of them that are outfielder types, like Johnny DeLuca, Andy Pajes. And so I want to keep somebody that has some infield viability. I think they have well, some Andy's catching. coming off of like this down stretch. Yeah, in the but, majors. I, but I think that's a fantasy thing. I think front offices are going to understand, like, you're not stealing this guy from me. Yeah, You're right. It would be trading him off of a modest output, but I don't think that that would severely hamper the price. I think a team would still be interested in buying him and paying something legit. Um, Lux would be tougher because he's coming off of an completely missed year. At least with Vargas, you have tape to look at and a team could still love him and say, Hey, he had a 224 Babbitt. We still think he can be Jamer Candelario. Like you were yeah, saying, there. I just so, wonder if Bush is the guy that Bush, I, I could easily see Bush being traded, but I'm not even sure he brings back as much, yeah. but let's talk Bush. You mentioned has no real defensive position. The lack of a shift really hurts him. He was kind of tailor-made to be the next Max Muncy type where you could hide his defense. And, and by the way, for his part, Max Muncy has improved his defense to the point where he's not as much of a liability as he mm -hmm. was maybe when he was first breaking out. But that that's that was how he started, was somebody that we were going to use the shift to hide him a little bit. Um, you can no longer do that with Bush, so you're kind of stuck with him at first or DH, or you're just going to take the hit at second base. Does he hit enough to be a dude. Obviously, we didn't see it this year with a 49 WRC plus and 81 plate appearances, but he was still cooking down at AAA, 27 homers, 90 ribs, a 150 WRC plus. So he wasn't just PCLing it. And, and you know, because sometimes you, you'll see like a nine something OPS and it's a, it's a barely over 100 WRC plus at AAA. He put up a 150. He was still 50% better than league average in 98 AAA games. Is Michael Bush still a power guy to be sought after in the fantasy world? Uh, what's the price on the ADP? For Bush, we're looking at 438 to Vargas's 345. <laughs> Give me Bush. Like, I just. It just it can't hurt you down give there. Give me right? the upside. Like, especially in a regular league, you draft champions, it can't hurt you because he could. Because you need your spots. You year, don't want to take yeah. frivolous. Yeah. I, again, we want. I always push back on the free thing, so this is you pushing back now. You don't want to just take a bunch of these guys that are that are it, lottery tickets. You need guys that can play in a thirty round, even a fifteen team thirty round league. That's free, right? Like we're talking about four hundred fifty picks, right? He's going four twenty. That's like literally your last. Yeah, like you know your second to last pick, um, mm -hmm. and that's an easy drop. If like in the first two weeks of the season he's not playing at all or he's down in the minors. Like you could just yeah. drop him and move on. Uh, but I think there's immense upside. Like it's hard because I see two paths to kind of his immediate and I guess, long-term careers. One is Daniel Murphy who yep. like, you know, say what you want about Daniel Murphy, but like he had some pretty darn good fantasy seasons. Um, oh yeah. Especially when he started yeah. to add some pop there with mm -hmm. the Nats, but he was always a good batting average guy with positional flexibility. And don't get hung up on the 33% K rate, 10% walk rate at the major league level for Bush. He was 19 and 14 at the minors. Yeah. And there have been flashes of maybe his strikeout rate isn't, you know, he's had some high strikeout rates down in the minors, but he's always walked. And I do think there's a world where he could be better, a better contact guy than we think. The other um, 
and it's not like a straight up comp, like different profiles and different kind of, I mean, completely different profiles, but I'm just thinking of trajectory is like Nick Solak where oh, like, boy. like he was our boy and we went, Oh man, like, you know, yeah, he's not great defensively him. at any great. position, but like he plays a few different ones and he's gonna, like, mm-hmm. and he's just never been able to stick on the majors. Um, like he is a quad a player, you know? And like, so like, those are two different trajectories. I don't think there's necessarily even a middle ground for no, a guy like right. Michael Bush. Uh, and so I prefer him in leagues, your regular leagues, especially like your your tens and your twelves. Honestly, like is your last pick or something like that, because he's the easy first cut. Like he's not in the majors mm-hmm. cut. He's not playing cut. Um, but he's also one of those guys that, uh, like, if he f- if if let's say. Gavin Lux isn't ready. Let's say they do move Miguel Vargas. They don't resign uh, a guy like Max Muncie. Um, or even better, they don't bring in Otani because he really should just DH uh, Michael Bush. Uh, he's one of those guys, like, if he found 500 plate appearances, those would be pretty sexy 500 plate appearances. Oh, I agree. Um, would you, you talk, we talked about the trade aspect. Would you be, would you prefer somebody like Bush? get traded to a lesser team. Let's say he goes to like a bottom, a bottom level type team, but plays every single day yeah. versus trying to cool. figure it out with the Dodgers. Yeah. I think I would too. Like even as a great as it stadium, is to be on the Dodgers, like even if it was a bad stadium, because I think he has got the type of power that can play anywhere. Uh, yep. And so like, let's say I'm going to throw it out there. Um, the Oakland A's, uh, you're like, Give me 600 plate appearances. I mean, we just saw what Brent Rooker and Zach Geloff and Shea Langoliers can do with full-time playing time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if they were on a lot of other teams, they would be part-time players and some of them wouldn't even be playing. Um, like I love Brent Rooker and like, he is like one of my favorite new Twitter follow follows. But like if Brent Rooker was on the Dodgers, Brent Rooker is at best a short side platoon. Guy, short side platoon right? all day. But yep. in Oakland, he's playing every day. And yeah, there's some ugliness in that profile, but you know, it's still 28 home runs. Like I, yeah. Michael Bush could do that in a place like Oakland. So like if it was up to me, I would totally be like, hey, trade him somewhere where he can play. But his lack of defense really hurts him in terms of other teams wanting it. Like how many teams really want a guy that they I mean? I don't know if I've ever seen a lower defensive score on fan graphs. It's pretty rough, man. It's a 20, that is not 20, his strength. Like, like on the 2080 scale, like if Eric had been able to give him a lower a 10, a 10, he probably would have gives him a single digit. Yeah. It, there is no defensive value for Michael Bush. He's a first I'll base. I'll tell you DH what the other already. comp bad comp is. Um, and people will, uh, who have listened for longer than a year, um, will remember this because we talked about it last year at this time, uh, is Seth Beer, who can oh, flat out hit, but isn't in the majors so in accurate. a large part because he cannot play defense or defense at all. Like, I mean, and like that is yep. in the range of outcomes for Michael Bush. And I like Seth Beer from a, but Seth Beer is the worst defender i've ever seen play no that that is that is frighteningly accurate 
Um, I like, I, you know, you got to bring up the downsides there. And Seth Beer is somebody that had his believers. It was easy to see like, hey, just give this guy some PT. He can just mash the hell out of the ball and get us our bomb. And but you can no see defensive why value. Arizona hasn't done it because like Walker is such a fantastic defender. Oh, my God. He, like some wonderful defender made. And now mashes on yeah. a par with beer. Remember, we were thinking mm-hmm. like, well, you're taking the lesser hitter or you're taking the better hitter for the lesser defense. Now it's equal hitting, if not better for Walker, plus the amazing defense, see a Seth beer. There's yeah. just no PT for you here. So yeah, that's a good call. And that is a downside with Michael Bush. Thankfully, all that's baked into the price. So if you want to go for him, there isn't a whole lot of risk. We'll see what happens with him in the off season. He could get moved, create an avenue for some extra PT. He's going to be age 25, 26 next year. It's kind of a do or die type season for him. Let's go to our next team, another playoff disappointment team, unfortunately, but they're looking like they're opening a long window because in addition to all the guys who popped off this year, Heston Kirstead and Colton Kowser are damn near afterthoughts on that Baltimore ball club, just because, you know, they were called up later. They didn't, they didn't make a whole big impact this year, but there's still two premium prospects that are expected to do some things for this team long-term. You got Heston Kierstead at pick 357 on average and Kowser at 467 on average. Let's start with Kierstead, former number two overall pick, two or three, I can't remember, but uh, you know, two. big time high pick, number two overall in the 2020 draft that cursed draft uh injuries plagued him a, a decent bit here but finally I, I shouldn't even say finally that's unfair to say finally in 2023 for a 2020 draftee <laughs> but breaks out this year re-establishes himself on the fantasy and prospect market are you in on heston kirsten we saw a little trickle from him 33 point appearances in the majors i'm not even going to cite the numbers it's not worth it but at double and triple a 21 homers Five for nine on the bases, 303, 373, or excuse me, 376, and 528 on Kierstead's slash line. Where do you stand on the 25-year-old Heston Kierstead coming into next year? Hmm. I'm so... Baltimore is such a difficult place right now to kind of figure out because they've all they have these... 42 guys per position? Yeah, they have all these hitting guys and no pitching. And so, like... The reasonable thing is like they need to trade away some of these hitters for pitchers, but who who wants to trade away pitching? Like, I mean, uh, exactly. And and also, who wants to trade away young top tier yeah. prospect hitters too? Like, you know, it, that's a hard give for them as well. But you're right. Where do you go get that high impact pitching? Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I like Kerstad, but I don't know that he is going to like I don't think he's a game breaker in the outfield for fantasy necessarily I think he is a good guy um yeah oh I mean similar in some ways to like uh his teammate Anthony Santander where he's like hey like you could have 25 plus home runs in a decent batting average, but that's what you're getting. Um, like there's not really any speed and uh, I don't know that he is ever like, I think he's a, he's going to be a perennial top 150 ish pick. Um, and that works though, which is fine uh, for Kirstad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's, he's coming much cheaper than that this year. Is he somebody that you're buying at the draft table right now? Um, I mean, at the price, I think, I think it's a fair price. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind it at all. Like he's not a guy that I've got circled. Like he's not 
this year Cedric Mullins. He's not, you know, yeah, nothing like that. This year for me, that was TJ Friedel. Like he's not the guy that I'm going, oh, this is the undervalued dude at the back end of my draft. Um, mm-hmm. But he's also not a guy that like if hey, if, if I end up with him, especially in, in leagues where he drops, like he went 429 as his max pick. Um, I'm fine with that. Like that seems yeah. like a very fair price. Uh, I don't see why, unless we hear something like, hey, he's going to start here in the minors. Like I don't see uh, why he wouldn't play every day if he's up. Like I think there's. I agree. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think he's fine. Uh, but let me re- not jump re- in for reiterate. Trouble. Let me reiterate again um, with these guys here too. Right, we're going to co-sign a bunch of them. Doesn't mean we're putting them all on the same team. Yeah, because we don't want six, seven of these guys on one single team because of the risk that they mm-hmm. carry. I just want to underscore that again. Absolutely. But yeah, if I'm going through my draft and people take Parker Meadows and Brett Beatty and Garrett Mitchell now Thomas for me and the other guys I've co-signed on and Kirstead's there, I'm going to take him. I'm, I'm certainly okay with Why that. Why don't we put him up against some of the other guys? Because I think maybe okay. that helps. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Kirstad or Alec Thomas? Thomas. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't think that one's particularly good. Uh, Kirstad or uh, Garrett Mitchell? I think Mitchell. I think the speed's the game changer there. I'm yeah. thinking Vargas is probably a real interesting comp there but between Vargas and Kirstad. I think for me it's Kirstad over Vargas just because I think the playing time situation is somewhat safer. Or at least we're going to know what it is coming in. Whereas like Vargas so is one of those guys that could do what he did this year, which is bounce up and down. Yeah, I I think that's right. And then what about the Mets versus Kerstad, Beatty and Vientos? I would Factor take Beatty. Too, I, I would take Beatty over Kerstad, but I would not take Vientos over Kerstad. Would you pass Kerstad for the discount on Vientos? No. Okay, you would just take Kerstead right there and then let Vientos go 50 to 100 picks later. I think I'm 100% with you on all that. I still love Vargas, but I also understand your point about him being like Jimer Candelario type, which is a good real life, but maybe not as spicy fantasy-wise, fighting for playing time there. Yes, these are both guys on great teams. I do think Kerstead has a better avenue to more PT, though. I totally agree there. That's a good call. Let's talk about Kowser then, because if Kerstead's going to be playing a lot, is there room for Kowser? As it stands right now, I don't think so because they don't have anybody coming off the books. Hayes, Mullins, Santander, their current outfield, they're all back. Hell, Mountcastle's back. We talked about him in a capacity of maybe getting traded uh, the last time when we were discussing him. Is there enough room for a Colton Kowser? He's on the 40. He's appeared in the majors, but is he going to be up right away or is he the, is he the first man up uh, You know, come come the season starting after being in triple a for a bit what do you think of colton kowser after age going into his age 24 season all right you ready for this yes colton kowser is diet alec thomas a hundred percent yeah like he That's is a, your, every, your comps your comp games on point today he is everything that alec thomas is except for the lack of defense um which means he needs to play every day in a very crowded situation i don't yeah. think that's gonna happen um like, I don't think there is prodigious power. I don't think there is prodigious speed. I think there is a decent amount of power and a little bit of speed that unless he gets 600 plate appearances, it's not going to be worth a whole lot in fantasy. And I, as things currently are constructed, obviously there haven't been tra- off-season trades. There haven't been off-season moves in terms of free agency. So things could change and they could give him an avenue to playing time. But right now, I don't know where Colton Kowser finds five or 600 plate appearances. 
And for that reason, I think I'm out right now. Well, I like the uh, uh, Shark Tank spin there. Very nice. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, I just, I'm not seeing the PT. We will analyze if things open up, they make some moves because this is a team, like you said, ready and capable of making moves where they trade hitting for pitching. It's just a matter of if they can find the right buyer. I know anytime we talk about a team trading for pitching, we go to Miami, but I'm going to do that here. How do these two teams not link up perfectly? And you can give youth for youth too. So they don't have to give up some bright young pitcher for some, you know, 29 year old hitter. They can get a 23, 24 year old hitter. Maybe that works out. If Kowser's traded somewhere to, let's say Miami, not a great park, but playing time aplenty. Does that get you bought in on him? Let's say, let's say, let's get the, the full problem, scenario. The here. problem with Miami is Miami doesn't need outfielders either. Miami I has, know, outfield's guys, not what they like, need. Um, they probably need like a Jordan Westberg, like somebody on the infield. And I don't know that more than I don't know that I don't think they're trading Westberg. I don't think they would trade. I think Westberg. they want to trade well, a Kirstead I mean, or think, Kowser. They've got Jackson Holiday. Jackson mm -hmm. Holiday is pretty much ready, right? Oh yeah. They've He's got so Gunnar Henderson. So Can't sick. They just figure something out at second base, like bring back Adam Frazier and and trade Westberg for. I mean, that doesn't right help Bowser at all, right? Like, no. <laughs> um, but but it, does, it, it is a better fit for Miami. You're right, because Miami that is not their big. They need hitters, but outfield is actually a spot where they've started to put some things together with De La Cruz, Sanchez, obviously Jazz. They're they're sticking with him in center. Yeah, Solaire. So whether we agree with the Jazz and center thing or not. They're sticking with it. So that's a fair point. They probably need an infielder. Yeah, I think they could figure something out. I could have put Westberg here, by the way. Uh, he is inside pick 300, but it's still only 267. He's not exactly expensive. Let's just throw a little name check in for him then. How do you, how do you feel about Westberg's outlook next year? He put up a bit bigger of a sample, 228 plate appearances, three homers, four steals, a even 100 OPS plus. Are you encouraged by what you saw out of uh, Jordan Westberg, and are you paying that 267 ADP for him? 267? Yeah. Um, he, he, they got, he has a little price tag tied to him. I mean, I kind of feel about Jordan Westberg the same way I feel about like Perdomo. And, uh, so you got to take the discount on Perdomo then. Yeah. Like, I, why would He's I? so much cheaper. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think Westberg goes higher because. He's a young prospect, though. I mean, I think people maybe just have prospect fatigue on Perdomo because it wasn't that long 100%, ago that even though Perdomo he's five was years this old. guy. But mm -hmm. like Westberg doesn't have a ton of power. He doesn't have a ton of speed. He's got a little bit of both. Um, he's going to be eligible at second and third. Uh, he's going to be in a decent lineup. Like, I think he's fine, but like, I don't think he is. I don't think there is a big next level for Westbrook necessarily. Um, so, uh, and I mean, I'm sure there are prospect people out there that can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I look at uh, Westbrook like, hey, he's another guy, but he's not a dude, if that makes sense. No, I think that's fair. I, I'm not sure I see dude levels out of Westbrook right now either. I'm not as as in on him um, as far as knowing his prospect status and all that. So I agree. If there are prospect folks out there that love him, please put us on. But from what I'm aware of with Westberg, I think he's a good, not 
not great type of guy as far as fantasy outlook. Uh, but he's he's hit all the way up, and he held his own in 228 point appearances. So that's why I think there's a price attached to him. Again, I'd rather just go for so many of these other bargains that we're talking about here. But I did want to bring him up when we were talking about Kerstead and Kowser. Let's move on to a couple of KC Royals that are definitely no longer prospects. They both graduated from that level, but they still have a little intrigue if if you're paying attention over there in KC. I mean, they got a bunch of these young hitters. Obviously, they had a dreadful overall season there in Kansas City. Is there room for you to get excited about a Drew Waters or go back to the well with a Michael Massey, somebody I loved coming into the year. He did not pan out to the level I was hoping for. And yet, I I remain kind of undeterred. I, I'm still intrigued by Michael Massey. 15 homers, 6 steals, only a 229 average. Things did not go super well for him. But he wasn't total fall-on-his-face garbage either. Uh, Drew Waters dealt with some injuries, but in 98 games, put up 8 homers, 16 steals with a 228 average. And he plays strong defense, which kind of guarantees his spot. Let's start with Waters. He's got a little, not a little, he's got a lot of swing and miss in his game. 32% K rate, 15% swing strike rate. Can the 25-year-old Drew Waters, you know, expound on his power speed that we saw this year with 8 and 16 and maybe, you know, push toward the, the 1525, 1530 type level? Is there enough there for Drew Waters that you're interested in him at pick 351? Um, yeah, I think there is. Uh, listen, he's going to strike out. He doesn't make great end-zone contact. Um, that is always going to, think, be part of his game. But this is a former top-tier prospect that has power and speed. And he plays in a situation in Kansas City where I think he's going to get opportunities. Um, when healthy, he's he yeah. got to be playing Drew Waters. So uh, I like Drew Waters a lot for what he is. Um, I think he is, uh, I don't know, he's Garrett Mitchell-ish, right? I mean, worth yes, defense again. Absolutely. But um, he, I guess he's the diet Garrett Mitchell, right? If I just use the the, the diet uh, <laughs> um, uh, Alec Thomas. Uh, so I think. Yeah, I think he. I think Drew Waters is uh, the diet Garrett Mitchell. Um, so you know everything but the defense. Uh, but I also think, unlike a lot of the other situations we're talking about, there just isn't that much competition for him for Waters to have a full time role. So I think if Waters is healthy, no, not in five hundred plate appearances, we can pencil in, I don't know, fifteen home runs and twenty stolen bases and uh, maybe even more. Um, he got 16 stolen bases and, and 337 plate appearances. So, yeah, maybe 15-20 and 15-25 uh, with a bad batting average. So you're going to need guys that help bring up your batting average. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I he's so cheap. Like, sure, take, take the gamble. Another one of these guys yeah. where you can put him at the end of your bench in your regular 30-round drafts and drop him if he's not producing – um, or or just ride the wave because he's one of those guys. If you're in head head leagues, do not draft your waters um, because no, there are going to be cold weeks and months that just make you wish you weren't playing this game. He'll eat you alive on that. Yeah. I want to give some shine to Drew Waters' defense, by the way. It might not be exactly like Garrett Mitchell's, but it might not be a diet Garrett Mitchell situation. They might just be comps. Maybe it's like um, a Sprite 7-Up. You know, take your preference of of lemon-lime drink. I'm not sure they're that different when you look at the defense that Drew Waters put up this year. He got he has three red bars on the, on the stat cast nice. there with the outs above average, arm value, okay. and arm strength. So, you know, I, I love Mitchell's defense. I think 
Waters' defense is quite strong too. So um, I think he has a little less on the those things you can get better at. Like exactly, like a hit tool, you don't really. I mean, you can improve a little. You rarely flip you're not, the script on that. It's very rare that like you have a, a Dolis Garcia type turnaround in terms of making contact ability. Don't remind me. <laughs> you had to know it was coming. I mean, I just It is like the all-time leader in postseason RBIs in a single season, right? Like it's all-time like leader in making me look like a dumbass. I'm yeah. pretty good at doing that on my own. I don't yeah, really like, need help. Yeah, like you didn't Garcia. need help. Thank you. Like, yeah, I mean No, but, but he decided to expedite it and just do it all year long and continue to make me look so, stupid, but I love it. I'm, you know what? I embrace it too, right? Like what you take a fat L on that. I'm not going to turn around and like be are bad. You drafted or, uh, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent out, but probably still not to be honest, okay. just because it's going to be so expensive. Now it's not even a dig my heels in and never admit that I'm wrong. I am still going to be a little bit You're nervous. Have to take him in the second round, round, maybe yeah, late with his skills in the second round. round. So again, fat L for me, I'll eat it and all that. But, um, I just uh, I'm probably still not going to draft his him. min pick is still only 36. That's surprising. Like his That's, ADP is 44. Maybe there is a world where I would take Garcia. Yeah. Then we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, um, the Drew Waters, Michael Massey. Let's get to Michael Massey and talk a bit about him. Like I said, a guy I definitely liked, but didn't really go crazy this year. Although if you had him in like, let's say you had him in the AL only where you kind of stuck with him for a long time type of deal. You still got something at the end, 15 and six on the homers and stolen bases had some flashes in the summer where it looked like Michael Massey was turning things around and closed strong with five homers and an 826 OPS in September. Are you in on Michael Massey at all? Yes. Yes, I, I absolutely am in on Michael Massey. Um, I think injuries really took away from uh, from, from Massey season. Uh, and uh, and I think uneven playing time. I think he's one of those guys that is a real feel for hitting type of dude and needs to every day at bats. He got those in the month of September, uh, struck out under 20% of the time, hit 269. Most important, five home runs with a 94% zone contact. Dude had elite, elite zone contact skills. Uh we know that like there is some pop and there is some speed. He's another one of these accumulator types, mm-hmm. but when those accumulator types have playing time, which he should have in Kansas city, no reason that he shouldn't play every day uh, on, uh, you know, starting out the season and you have elite contact skills, especially in the zone. I think this is a recipe for a, I mean, he's never going to be a star, but like, trying to think of a really good comp here because my comp game has been on point but it has been it has been sharp so don't force it if you don't have i'm it. not but gonna force it michael massey has some ju- has some juice i, I am I, I still remain fully excited about him honestly it is like an andrew benetend like a prime andrew benetendi at second base so we're talking about maybe, a, maybe I, trading some of that average upside although you talked about that great contact but maybe trading some of that average upside are, for a little bit more power 
I mean, he only had a 261 BABIP too. Michael Massey had no good fortune on his BABIP despite putting up some strong skills. Mm -hmm. If he could add a few more walks, now you're talking a real dynamic profile, but I like a lot of what Michael Massey does and I'm really not super deterred by this dud year. And this is the guy, I started this at the outset, but I've talked about this concept so many times, the young player that doesn't pan out that people just then discard. Oh, I was wrong on him. Forget him. It's like, no, this was only 461 plate appearances. It's not a big sample. If you liked him coming into the year, I don't think I see enough here that you should really run away from Michael Massey. I th I'm staying bought in. Uh, I want to guys who had now, obviously, right this this was just september where i'm just talking about his september yep, small sample number, right so super small sample but guys who had a better season-long zone contact than michael massey did in the month of september right okay stephen kwan mm -hmm. lisa rise nico horner so that's it wow and he was doing that with pop that's the thing so if Massey can do that consistently, and by the way, didn't even get Babbitt luck in September, only had a 281 Babbitt. So even yeah. at his very best, the hits weren't dropping for him. And you would think maybe in KC with that spacious outfield, he can dump in some extra singles and doubles. I oh, still I, really think there's some upside. I got the comp. You ready? Who? Yes. Prime Jake Cronenworth. I'm so in on that, obviously, because so I love 270-ish, 275-ish hitter with like Teens 20 homers. home yeah 15 to 20 home runs throw in 10 to 15 stolen bases at second base that you're paying very little for yeah what, what we say thing. his adp was four 367 excuse me yeah and waters 351 that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in on that second base michael massey not quitting him paid 307 last year it says right here because the league i'm selected and i had drafted him i paid 307 at the main event table obviously didn't work out i'll take my four round discount and and stick with michael massey yeah. this year let's move over to the tampa bay rays we got two guys who can really both hit but neither can play much defense. Curtis Mead and Jonathan Aranda. Aranda especially has no defensive potential. He's another Michael Bush type. Mead, you can at least fake out there, slot him at first, maybe a little bit of third, but uh, both a couple guys that they can hit. Will they get the opportunity? We saw 92 major league plate appearances from Curtis Mead, 253, 326, 349 with one home or no steals. Nothing too crazy there. Uh, only played 65 games in the minors too. So he dealt with some injuries this year that derailed his season a little bit. Nine homers, four steals in those 65 games for Mead, mostly at AAA. I think there's a little stint here at rookie, probably when he was rehabbing. Yeah, four games at rookie ball. I'm going to believe that that's a rehab for Curtis Mead. Uh, but we did see him in the majors. Are we intrigued by Curtis Mead? And do you think this year could be a potential breakout for him? Where does he play? That is a good question that I have no answer to. Because I mean, you're, you're, a Luke breakout, Ray, you're a Luke Rayleigh believer, right? I am. Yeah. Um, Lefty I know Brent Josh Lowe, or not Josh Lowe, um, Brandon, Brandon Lau finished the year injured, but he should be ready for opening day. Mm-hmm. They've got I I saw not Brady's anybody from their from their uh, opening day lineup except well yeah interestingly shitbag is penciled back in I'm yeah, not sure he's, he's not Jason thinks that he'll be again. back but I can't imagine but that neither of them can back. play shortstop exactly like, so it doesn't, doesn't matter doesn't matter anyway so uh, Yandy Diaz ain't going anywhere yep I know that's I, that's really fair I think both could start the year in the minor leagues absolutely. I think there there's like a decent chance of that even. 
Now, injuries obviously could open up playing time because Lau is coming off of a serious injury. But are they being leapfrogged by Junior Caminero? Yeah, I want to go off your injury point and bring in Junior Caminero there, too, because even if the injury risks are there, does Junior Caminero This jump is another team that needs to trade a hitter. Yeah, because right. they do need some pitching. Like, obviously, they're dealing with all of the because they still have injuries. If you know, you, you thought the injuries hit them this year. Team right now, like you can. The make, world is your oyster. Yeah, you can make some bank right I'm now. I'm going to go back to Miami again. Do we need to see an intra This is where trade? the Miami makes sense, right? Because they could trade like Curtis Mead would look pretty good in Miami's lineup. Oh, my God. Shooting those gaps because he's a gap guy anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's the strength of his hitting is is lacing the ball all over the joint because it's obviously not going to be Caminero, but like no, 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 he's staying. It would be yeah. Mead or Mead with think, Aranda type of deal. Mead yeah. would be the piece. Aranda is too much of a DH to really draw much like by himself. Braxton Garrett for Curtis Mead plus. I think there's I think there's a fair trade. You just trade both these guys. Trade Mead and Aranda for Braxton Garrett and Bada Bing. You got yourself an intra Florida trade that works out pretty well. Let's talk about Aranda. No defensive value at all. Like literally has to DH, which means he's fighting Luke Rayleigh, who put up a really intriguing season. And even if you just want to strong side platoon Rayleigh, well, Aranda's a lefty as well. So that really just eats up his time. So is this a guy that you're really not drafting in DCs because you're not Thinking just, that Aranda's I, ever going to play? I don't know where he plays. Like, I just don't. Um, I don't either. Another, unless he gets traded. Like, I just, he's probably not really on my draft board until uh, until I can see some sort of path to playing time for Aranda. But I, I like him and I liked him coming in here because I do think he can hit. Uh, just a throwback to like what we were talking about with Michael Bush, though. Remember when I said Michael Bush had a 20 grade? Aranda, who you just said has no defensive value as a 30 grade. He's better than Bush. So Michael that's Bush, how Bush, that's how Michael Bush is. I do think Michael Jeez. Bush's bat is better. Um, yes. And why well, I'm more interested in Michael Bush, because I see some paths to playing time uh, for, for Bush that I don't see for Ronda. But uh, yeah, I just, I un- unless he gets traded, like I just don't know where the playing time comes from. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense there. So he's hard to really get in on. If things clear up, they make some moves or he himself or Ronda gets traded. I can see myself drafting him in draft champions later, but right now with just with all the options we talked about on this show, I can't see where I'm getting to a Ronda over so many of these other guys no, based on his in potential the DH playing time. Isn't really that available to him anyways. No. Because you know, like Josh Lowe needs a place, Luke Braley needs a place, like I just don't know where they find playing time for these guys. And I mean, Brandon Lau might eat up DH almost permanently if his health is still a little sketchy. If Brandon Lau does, then you could see they move Isaac Paredes to second base. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if that is... That just helps Meade, though. That doesn't really help Aranda. Yeah, no, it doesn't help Aranda. Though Aranda could then become like a super utility infielder. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, that's true. Well... In the sense of like just standing at a bunch of spots, yeah, exactly. not like Zobrist who used to excel at all those. But then spots. you still yeah. have walls. Like I mean, like yeah, who can actually pick it? Who can pick it? And wouldn't they rather have that guy coming off the bench? Or we know the guys? Rays would. Yeah, so like they would. I just Aranda, like I think he is in just kind of limbo unless he gets moved somewhere. I think so too. I really, really do. I think he's one of these guys that could emerge elsewhere. 
and um, they're happy to trade him because they can get some value because to him or to them, they don't, he doesn't have a lot of value because they have no idea to, where to play him. But in the trade market, another team says he can be our everyday first base slash DH. Let's get this guy and we'll give something worthwhile. So I could definitely see that with Jonathan Aranda. I definitely prefer Curtis Mead. Both are cheap. Um, I'm drafting Mead in spots. I'm just not drafting Aranda right now. 472. I mean, that's nothing. I grant that. But it's because you might get nothing. Yeah, I and I mean, other guys going around that spot, obviously different positions. Like, but like Trent Trent Grisham's gonna play every day. He's going or, down that or, far. Yeah, Trent Grisham is four eighty three. Oh my god! Yeah, I would take Trent Grisham a Mike thousand out of a thousand times over Ronda. Yeah, come on. Um, you, you know, you've talked about liking Brandon Williamson, um, mm-hmm. Hyunjin Ryu, uh. Like Max taking Meyer all those coming guys. back. Uh, Not even close to considering Aranda over anybody you've named right now. Josh Rojas. I think I would go to be your boy Rojas. Like um, in Seattle. Everson Pereira. I like him. We're uh, still going to talk about the, the young Yankee hitters. We got that on our list to Spoon eventually get to. It? Coming back. It depends what his health is with the yeah. with the leg. But um, I think go. I still prefer him. Adverto Mondes. <laughs> Oh my God! Stop it! <laughs> Pick five hundred is finally the time to do it. This it, it really is about that time, but that's a good transition oh, because we're going to go to his. Let's go to his team. All-time spore favorite that oh I know is going to be on every single one of your teams. Going at pick five oh three on average in draft champions, Patrick Sandoval. Oh, you already know. Like you that, already like, know. Like so, I'm sorry. You already like, know. Just, I'm taking him. Like. Even like I'm, I, I just keep scrolling like Joe Adele five eleven. I'd rather take that gamble. Give me the chance that Dylan Cruz somehow makes it to the majors at five eighteen. Uh, James Wood five twenty two. Luis I Matos at five twenty three. Like oh my goodness, your boy Akil Badu five twenty eight. You know I'm going to take Badu at 528 over Aranda. Like, yeah, like there's just too many guys that I'm going to be more interested. And again, this is not hate on Aranda's bat. He has no idea where to play, or no no yeah. position to play. Not I, no idea. I'm honestly play. shocked. One at some of these names that I mean, I just did like one of those like scrolls with my finger just to like yeah. jump 50 picks. Um, Will Brennan at 573. Uh, and I mean, you loved Nick Gordon at one point. I did. Seventy-seven. I would take him over Aranda, especially all these guys you're saying are at a discount. Yeah, Luis Medina uh, is at five eighty-six. Yeah, Tyrone Taylor. We talked about him five eighty-eight. Like, I, I, how is Aranda that high? I don't really understand it because, especially because at, at a baseline, we know Tampa Bay loves to platoon guys and mix and match. So you're starting from that baseline and then you factor in the, the fact that he has no defensive value. I am curious what is driving people to take Jonathan Aranda unless so, they're just fully banking on a trade. It is only five picks. Don't forget that too. I do want to point this out. So, and this is something I don't think we mentioned often enough, but I like to mention at least a couple times early in draft season. The people who are drafting right now are all the same people. Correct. Which means all five of those picks may be the same. Might person be the same person who believes him. Yep. Five times 
that high. Especially so. with the late picks. That's a great call out because it's it's the crazies. If yeah. you listen to this, you're one of them too. And you're one of us. We're not yeah. hating on you. We're just saying that like, you're right. So and they if, get their guys and John they go out and get Smith, them. who yep. loves early DCs, is drafting right. I mean, this is what this is where Cedric Mullins' price, I think, started to get driven up was I kept mm-hmm. taking Cedric Mullins, you know, a pick 420 or whatever. Yeah. And, like, it set the market at 420 when it being probably should have right been there. lower. But I just kept taking him. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden people went, well, if I want him, I've got to take him above that. And, you know, this is how I miss out on Cedric Mullins. You can kind of influence the market mm-hmm. early on in D- if you're playing a bunch, right? You yeah. know, um, or... Even if you're playing a couple, a, a real outlier pick can also change. And people, you know, the market and remember is being too, set. Draft champions are not the only thing being drafted right now. NFBC 50s, which are 12 team leagues. Yep. With a, so a shallower pool. So what what is, you know, 50 picks at, at, at 12 or 12 teams? Um, I don't want to do math, so I'm just going to use my calculator. So 600 <laughs> picks. So someone may just be going, hey, at, 470 or 450 or whatever that's my time to take ronda because there's only 150 picks left yeah um so we have to keep this in mind like that these small sample adps are being driven by a very small part of the market. player pool yeah no that's that's a great call and so again no shade to the person that likes ronda especially if you believe he's going to get traded and go hit somewhere it's just with that uncertainty it may be he can't jonathan ronda himself he could now it could be a calvin ridley situation where he's putting himself at risk by doing mm-hmm. that yep. do not get in trouble just don't jonathan do it property apparently don't do that exactly all right let's talk about our last group we'll stay in division with the rays and move over to the red Sox here and talk willier brayu and sedane Rafaela. William Abreu, we did see down, actually, we saw both down the stretch. We saw Abreu um, come up and actually hit a decent bit. So he started to get some some fantasy hype. Two homers, three steals in his 85 plate appearances with, with a 316, 388, 474 slash line. Uh, you know, nice little tiny sample. Let's not get too hung up on 85 plate appearances. And in fairness to the market, they have not. He is not being, you know, egregiously overvalued here at a pick of uh, 378 ADP. And then Sedane Raffaella going just a little bit ahead of him at 364. We'll talk about him in a moment. He's more of a speed guy. He didn't do so much in his sample. He also had 89 plate appearances, just four more than Abreu. He had two homers, three steals, same as Abreu, but a 241, 281, 386 slash line. Abreu first, 24 years old, going to be 25 next year. Bit of power, bit of speed, more power than speed generally, but uh, 22 and 8 at AAA this year before the 2 and 3 in the majors. Are you in on William Abreu with the Red Sox next year? All right, Comp City, because apparently that is... <laughs> that's the name of today's theme, episode. And it's like, that's our theme today, or at least my, my portion of the theme. Um, Abreu is diet uh, Perdomo. So... Oh, Okay, though the thing different, that he, far different position though. Yes, and the thing that he isn't miss that he is missing isn't the thing that we've been talking about in terms of diet. He, uh, you know, because we've been talking about oh, you know, uh, diet means worse defense, right? No, he doesn't have worse defense. He has worse contact ability, which is probably the worst thing to not have, uh, comparatively Agreed. speaking, to a guy like Perdomo. Uh, so uh, he's actually a pretty decent defender. But I think this is just your traditional super utility uh, guy that you bring off the bench. Uh, and I don't see him finding 
500 plate appearances in Boston necessarily. I think Abreu is a guy who is like 375 plate appearances, you know, plays three or four days a week and is just spelling guys all around the infield, especially if they come in healthy. Uh, I don't see Abreu. Wait, 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 wait. You're thinking of the right guy. Raphael is the... Uh, Abreu's an outfielder. What? Oh, does he does he play infield? Oh, for some reason I was thinking infield. Wow, he's he's played no he's 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 an outfielder. He's played all the outfield positions. Rafaela does have so that's why I was wondering if maybe you were confusing those no, two. I for some reason was just thinking Abreu is a uh, infielder. That's just my bad. No um, problem. No problem. But, I don't think um, it changes anyway. the outlook, anyways, because I don't yeah. think that he is much more than a. So he's definitely not a super utility guy. He's just a bat fourth outfielder could um, he not be the strong side left fielder because renfro's gone i mean that's what we haven't penciled in as right now but that puts yoshida at dh which i'm not sure yeah i, I don't think yoshida's dh i think could um, abreu be the dh i know yoshida's defense wasn't that good but i would I still assume think they're gonna bring another bat in yeah as long as they don't play bobby Dahlbeck. no they, they played him at I mean, short i know sometimes this year how funny is that um, yeah, I mean, I guess he, I still think he's probably a fourth outfielder type. Like I, I, I would assume Boston brings somebody in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I'm not sure that they're going to entrust him off rip, you know, cause 85 plate appearances, they're not going to make too much of that for uh, a William Abreu. Now here's the thing. There has been talk that they could trade Verdugo. Okay, well, that so would create an avenue, perhaps. If they traded Verdugo, but you still have Jaron Duran and True. Yoshida. Um, and the next guy we're going to talk about, who I really like. Yeah, um, so Dane Raphael, let's go ahead and loop him in here because they, I think the two do belong together. Um, Raphaela pulling him up. Now, he could be more of that super util because he can play infield, outfield, Defense is probably his calling card. He played in center, short, and second with the team. 20 games in center, five at short, four at second base. In fact, three of those were um, switched during the game, though. He only started once at second base. What do we think of Sedane Raffaella, then? I think Raffaella is a really, really interesting guy because he is a really good defender. Um, he can play in a number of different spots. The question is, like, is there enough hit tool to unlock what I think are maybe undergraded tools? Like, okay. I think he's probably got league average power if he can unlock it with the hit tool. Um, and I think there is more speed than we... Oh, no, no, we gave him a 6th grade speed. Yeah, I think 6th grade speed is probably right. Um, so 70 grade defense. Yeah, 70 grade outfield. defense. I think this is the reason why they can trade a guy like Verdugo um, if if they end up trying to, uh, because I think he is a guy that could be like a 1030 guy if he gets full-time playing time. Yeah, he went, uh, believe it or not, Raffaello went 2036 in the minors. He did pop 20 homers, 14 of which were at AAA. I don't know him to have that kind of pop. 
Uh, the projections do not suggest that as far as looking at prospect reports on Raffaella. So in the you know in, in the exit velocities and barrel percentages in the majors don't reflect it either. Like I agree with you more on like a I think an upside this year is like a ten thirty, which would still yeah. be great by the way. Ten thirty at this price point, especially if he can hit for a decent average, put him at like two fifty two sixty average for Sedane Raffaella, you'd be going crazy for that. What do you think of the um, the contact issues with him? He did have a thirty two percent K rate at the majors, a lot of swing and miss coming up throughout the minors as well. No Not walks. much for the walk rates. Yeah, um, so it could be a little all or nothing. I, I could even see single digit power in a full season of work, but that speed could be worth it with Raffaella, perhaps. And is he one of these guys that pitchers just say, "Well, we're going to make you show that you can hit the ball," like? We're, we're just yep. going to attack the hell out of you because we don't think you can hit it over the fence. You'll knock the bat out of his hand type yeah. of deal. And so uh, there is that risk, but the speed is good and the defense is great. I guess there is some fear he could turn into like, especially because he's right-handed, he could turn into like a Rajay Davis type. Or a guy who plays like a half game or not even a half game, like three, four innings every day as a defensive sub. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, you know, how, how do you trust a guy like that? Um, but Maybe then you I, miss a bunch now of that I'm steals. It out, I don't like him as much as I did before. So issues with both price is about similar 364 for Raffaella, 377 for Abreu. Do you have a lean on either mm -hmm. at their given price right now? And will you be drafting either? I don't think I'll be drafting either. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super. I think we talked about so many this. other guys going at around the same spot. Um, if if Raffaello was going 100 picks later, then I'd probably be, I'd at, be in. I'd be in. But currently, as things stand, like his max pick is 386. I think that's too he's high. had a tight window. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought that he had at least something outside the 400s. But I think the 2036 in AAA is really influencing Raffaello. Yeah. I could easily see him. Having been drafted by the same guy, yeah, this three is or another four one. of the times, yeah, right? Uh, minimum because, yeah, if you like him and you're it, just trusting him in that three sixty range, three fifty, and he's all like, "Now's the time," you know. Yep. Uh, so that, keep that in mind. That was a great call out by you earlier, but yeah, Abreu and, and Rafaela they could evolve for me as the off season goes, and if it looks clear that they're going to get into the situation, maybe I'm more interested. But for now, I'm passing. Frankly, I probably just wait. 200 picks almost and jump back on the Luis Odias train. He's at 573. As far as taking a Red Sox, I think I might just wait for him. Or you mentioned Mondesi at pick 500. Um, I'm not Is really Mondesi taking Mondesi. Agent, right? Oh, he might be a free agent. He's just listed under Boston. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think he is a free agent. I think he's a free agent now. Yeah, he but is yeah, a free I, agent. I don't think Abreu nor Raffaello really get me going right now. And with all the other guys that we talked about, there's just going to be so many others that I'm going to go for. Modesty's going to end up playing in like the KBO or something, right? Like and and, dump, and just dominating. put up and just put up video game numbers. And put put up the exact seasons that we were dreaming on when we were taking him way mm -hmm. too high for years. Yeah, I could totally. See. He's still only going to be age 28 next year. I know. He's still on the right side of 30. But the fact but that he didn't play at all last year 15 like. total games the last two years combined and that's with a zero this year so it tells you how many he played in 2020 he play any in the minors like he no literally zero not, he played zero games like fat you know. goose egg i mean you can expand it even further and say 50 major league games since 2021 
Like the dude has just not played. So I, I do and think going overseas might be his major move. league and minor. League. He didn't play in the minors in 2021 or 2022. Brutal. Like Brutal stuff for Montesibo. With 174 steals. If he goes to the KBO, I hope he puts up Eric Thames type numbers. It would be, I mean, like I said, this is the year to draft him. Like if you. you oh, yeah. Know. If if he signs somewhere and it looks like he can get some PT, now's the time finally. Yeah. After all those overpays. But I'm probably still not getting there with uh, with Alberto Mondesi. But there's a bunch of young hitters on the rise. A lot of fun names. I think you got to pick your favorites and kind of go for them. I'm not sure I want shares of like. 10 different guys in this group i'm probably going to isolate some of my faves like an alec mm-hmm. thomas and get more shares of those guys parker meadows yeah, but um, there's going to be some breakouts from this group alec thomas is your favorite right definitely um, and not just because of the playoff homers that that helps but i i liked him coming into well, the I year think it's the combination of price and playing time playing time group. certainty yes I think parker exactly meadows is two for me uh, mm-hmm. and i think one of the uh, I almost said Expos for some reason. One of the Brewers is probably third there for yeah. this. I, st- I like Massey, Mitchell and Weimer. Yeah. Massey is up there, yes, because I was hot on Massey and I'm not moving off of him. So yeah, maybe he's three and then Mitchell, Weimer, and then Beatty. Yeah, I think we're locked. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right, brother. That'll do it. Uh, talk to you later. I'll see you later this see week. You in next episode. Next episode will probably be out next Monday, Sunday or Monday because we're going to record it on Saturday live. Yeah. Uh, at the following, I might try to stream it on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Ooh, We could do that. We could. So it'll be a late night thing, Saturday night, if you're available. Um, but yeah, we'll figure that out. But it will be up, uh, like I said, Sunday or Monday, depending on what happens when we both get back from our trip. But I'll see you in just a few days, Justin. Take care. Take it easy.